Hi friends, happy Friday! I hope you had a great week so far, and are looking forward to an eventful weekend ahead. I am so grateful, given that you're hearing me speak right now, for taking the time to tune in to today's episode, one that is so special to me. Over the past three seasons of the podcast, we have had different types of therapists as our expert guests. Physical therapists, or physiotherapist, a speech therapist, and a psychotherapist. There are definitely more types of professions of therapy from different domains and aspects that we have yet to meet, but there is one that I particularly have wanted to have on the show since I began the series, occupational therapy. To be honest with you, I didn't really know much about the occupational therapy or OT profession until I became a new nurse years ago when I was working in the hospital, and my patient who was recovering from open heart surgery had a session with the OT. Like many others, I had no defined idea of what an OT was or did, different from their commonly placed counterparts, the physical therapists. However, that day since, I made sure to educate myself in the field of occupational therapy, and it truly is such a beautiful field. However, there's definitely more light that needs to be placed in the profession, and I hope that this episode can fulfill that for all of you. But before that, I want to tell quite a funny story. My cousin Kyle, who you all know by now, and I went to a party in Los Angeles last year in a restaurant in Cape Town called Intercrew. It was a party with different creatives from the area. The music was loud, so many people in the venue, and everyone had to get close to speak to each other's ears. Kyle is actually finishing up his master's in occupational therapy school this spring, yay! There was one point during the party when we found ourselves standing next to a group of girls. And we were all introducing ourselves. You know, the usual questions are, where do you live? What do you do? One of the girls asked Kyle what he did for work, and he said that he was an OT student. (laughs) The girl in video said, oh my god, I need therapy, and went on to tell of her current sad life season. And we all knew she did not mean occupational therapy. (laughs) And on the drive back home, Kyle just said, I need to perfect my elevator pitch. And that is what we hear today. The perfect OT elevator pitch. In all seriousness, there is so much more recognition, limelight, and well-deserved respect that needs to be given to the field of OT and OTs themselves. They do so much selfless and amazing work for so many people who may have lost their autonomy performing activities of daily living that we often do not give a second thought about, like buttoning a shirt, turning a doorknob, or even using a spoon or fork to eat. These things, for many of us, are just second nature. But so many life incidences, such as sports injuries, falls, motor vehicle accidents, and even strokes, can result in the loss of fine motor skills, and OTs are a beacon of hope to help restore not only these functions, but also one's quality of life. And just for some background, did you know that the field of OT found its conception origin story way back in the early 1900s during the Progressive Era? due to the rise in science and technology modernization, resulting in increased industrial accidents, hence the word occupation. American nurse Eleanor Clark Slagle is said to be the mother of occupational therapy, having opened up the first occupational therapy training program, the Henry B. Favell School of Occupations, in 1915 in Chicago. Her ethos is rooted in habit training and meaningful routines to help shape a person's well-being on the road to recovery, with the initial prospects of mental health patients. So truly, the field of OT is rooted in a holistic approach of not only for the physical body, but also for our mind. It is so beautiful and I'm so excited for all of us to learn more about it today. Thus, I am beyond honored to have our expert guest on today to make this possible. The amazing Emily Longwell-Grice, a Milwaukee-based certified acute care occupational therapist of almost a decade, a PhD candidate in occupational therapy, and a university lecturer for physical rehabilitation and acute care for masters and OT students. And online, she educates the public about the OT field and more specialized topics such as fine motor skills, adaptive equipment, home safety, and body mechanics for healthcare workers. I am so grateful that she extends this education to us in today's episode. It's going to be a good day of learning about all things occupational therapy. Get it? To be a, like, to be in fibula? <laughs> okay, okay, I'll let you go. Enjoy the episode! Okay, okay, and just a disclaimer, 
I ran into some audio issues when transcribing the original video recording. <laughs> so there are some unwanted overlaps between Emily and I's audio. And it may seem like I talk over her at some point, but please understand that I would never. Anywho, that's all. It's going to be a okay. Enjoy the episode. XOXO. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm so honored that you decided to join me today to talk about a very special month. I've been so excited for our episode. I was going to say that throughout the past (laughs) two seasons and now the third season of the podcast, we've had so many therapists. We had like physical therapists, psychotherapists, every type of therapist. And I'm like, I need to talk to an occupational therapist. And I always wanted to time it during (laughs) April, which is National Occupational Therapy Month, which is your month. So I'm so honored and so grateful that you've come (laughs) to join me tonight. If you could just first please introduce yourself to everybody. Thank you. Sure. So my name is Emily Longwell-Grice, and I am an occupational therapist. I am currently right outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I am pursuing my PhD in occupational therapy at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, which is actually also where I got my bachelor's in occupational therapy and my master's in occupational therapy. So it has all come full circle educationally. And I graduated with my master's in 2014. So I have been practicing OT for just under Talk about an expert in the field and also talk about loyalty. (laughs) I mean, you know, your bachelor's, your master's and your doctor. Oh my God. I know. I know. I never saw myself doing all three at the same university, trust me. You know, but you know what? The universe works. You need a graduation place. award so just for are. like a loyalty <laughs> reward, just for being in the same place all three, right? That's right. That's right. You know, I will say that the university has treated me very well, and I am happy to be a loyal student to them. I, If anybody's looking at Midwest colleges, yeah. I am happy to sing uh, the praises you of know, UWM. Tonight is really... <laughs> just a night where we celebrate your profession and everything that your profession stands for. But before all of that, I wanted to, I love asking people the inspirations behind the undertaking of where you are now, right? Wanted to know like, where did this inspiration come from? Is it family, friends, personal experience? And I know you had a different first major, right? A bachelor's. I wanted to know like the journey through that. So I always tell people this, and I'm old enough to say this out. The overall arching theme of this is listen to your mother because your My mother mom knows that- right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true because moms, they see things in us that we don't always see in ourselves. And so I do have my bachelor's in English from the University of Delaware. And the first five years of my adult life, I actually worked as a television news producer. And I was so convinced this was going to be my life's work. I was going to be a producer. I was going to work for like CBS News. This is going to be my huge calling. Well, it just didn't work out. It was, I think, a personality thing. I wanted to be around more people. I wanted to be out helping people. I wanted to be out really getting to know people. I'm very much an extrovert. So being in a newsroom all day was just not what I could do for the rest of my life. So I quit and just went back to square one and was like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And my mom said, have you thought about (laughs) occupational therapy? And I said, no, why would I think about that? And she said, well, don't you remember when you were in high school and you did your volunteer work at the Pediatric Convalescent Center? And I said, yeah. And she said, you were so happy when you were doing that. And you spoke so highly of that experience and the people that you worked with. And I just really see you being an OT. And coincidentally, my mom and dad both work for (laughs) UWM. (laughs) UWM has one of the top OT programs in the country. And I said, okay, sure. OT, why not? Well, you know what? It's really not that easy. If you have a BA, (laughs) it does not translate to a BS. So in order to even apply to the program, I had to go back and I had to take three semesters of anatomy, biology, (laughs) statistics, and physics. And all stuff that I had never done as an undergraduate and did not 
see myself doing. And, but you know what? Mm-hmm. I studied my butt off. I got through it. I applied to the program, got into the program. Then there were three and a half more years of school. But I did it. And I have never thought twice about it. Even when I was in school and even in the hardest phases of it, like the finals and the late nights and all of that, it always felt like this was what I was supposed to be doing this entire time. Yeah. And it might've taken me a roundabout way to get there, but I did get there. And that's yeah. the, the end of it. Yeah, like, I mean, We are here. You know, and someone it is- told me before, it doesn't matter how long it took to get to somewhere or the detours that occur, as long as you get to where you're supposed to be and where you want to be, right? And it's just so funny that, you're like, Ugh, and I have to add three more years to this. And then now you went even back for your doctorate too. Oh so God. you decided yes. to go back even for more. Yeah. And I can't yeah. imagine like more late nights and studying and caring yeah. for people, which is sometimes not the easiest thing to do, right? And I guess oh we'll God. talk more about that <laughs> too. But, you know, this whole journey that took you, I guess, full circle now too. Thanks to mom as well, right? And all of the sacrifices yes. that need to be made, especially <laughs> in a doctoral program. Do you have any regrets in pursuing mm-hmm. the field of OT? So, you know, when I went back for the OT program the first time, I used to say, mm. oh my God, why didn't I do this the first time? I should have been doing this when I was, mm-hmm. you know, 18, 19, 20, 21. Why am I doing this now? And, you know, honestly, I was in my early, like I did this when I was 26, yeah. 27. It's not like I was that old. <laughs> so to keep that in mind, but mm-hmm. at the time I felt so old because <laughs> I was a returning adult student. And so I did have that in mind sometimes where I was like, why didn't I do this the first time? Why didn't I figure this out? But now looking back on it, I Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. a different student at 26, 27 than I was at 18, 19. And honestly, I would not have gotten as much out of it then as I did when I did the program. Mm -hmm. So it would be like the big regret, but it's not a real regret because yeah, yeah, definitely beautiful. And as an occupational therapy master is prepared, right? We're already taking care (laughs) of patients, not only clinical rotations, but in your job as well, right? I'm very curious what led you to the decision of, actually, I want to do a PhD in OT. And can you also explain what encapsulates the doctoral training for OTs as well? Yeah, absolutely. So the whole time that I was in the BSMS program, I was really interested in research. I'm a huge medical model person. Like I love working in the hospital. I love Mm -hmm. working with very sick, very Mm -hmm. injured people. Like that is my favorite. I just love doing that. And so the whole time that I was a student, I would collaborate with my professors or my fieldwork instructors, my CIs, things like that. And because they were all doing research and Mm. I really wanted to do research as well. And I really wanted to get on board with their research. And they were so willing to walk me through their process, let me help out in any way, shape, or form. Like I actually have my name on posters and presentations from the time that I was an undergraduate and a master's student. And that was because I reached out to them and I really made that effort. So then I would do that and I would go to AOTA and other conferences and I would meet and network with people and they would say, well, why don't you come and do your PhD? Why don't you, you know, here's my card, keep in touch. Let's Mm -hmm. do this later. I needed to practice. I needed to go out in the field and I needed to be an occupational therapist for a little mm-hmm. bit, not just because yeah. I'm making money is nice and having yeah. a salary and all a steady income is always good, especially after three and a half years yeah. of student worker money. Like it's yeah. not even comparable. I really needed to get out in the field, but also to show that the education that I received, that I was going to do something with it, not just go straight from one to another to another that I was going to take that clinical education and I was going to go practice it. And I have no regrets about that. I love practicing. Once I figured out the setting that I wanted to practice in, it was just like, okay, here we go. Like, and we're off. And I love it. I love it. I would go back tomorrow. I don't have time to go back tomorrow, but I would go back tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, like you said, right. I think the things that's just like, meant for you and the things that you like to do and that makes you happy right it's like comes really in full circle and everything just interconnects everything you've done throughout your bachelor's and master's and then now in your doctorate level of 
education and training, right? I can't imagine. Yes. yes. And you know, part of what I'm doing right now, the reason I'm not in clinical practice right mm. now is because I'm also teaching in the program and I'm teaching Phys Rehab 1, mm. Phys Rehab 2, and then Phys Rehab 2 Part B. And I'm also teaching OT in acute care. And so I really do have this wonderful opportunity yeah. to take what I learned in that clinical setting and show my students how to do things. And yeah, I will admit that there's always a little bit of imposter syndrome where I'm like, <laughs> you think I yeah. know this? Like I yeah. have enough that I can tell people what to do, but I, I do. Turns out I do. And that's another thing that's really nice about being mm -hmm. teaching mm -hmm. and studying in the program that I graduated from is that they know me because mm -hmm. it's a small enough program that I kept in touch with everybody and they all kind of kept tabs on me. And so when I came back, it was just like, yeah. oh yeah, Emily's been in the hospital for yeah. like 10 years. Why don't we just yeah. have her teach there we rehab? Like, go. You know, okay. you've been talking a lot about your education as an OT and, you know, someone somewhere out in the world where there's no OTs in their country, they're like, what the heck are we talking about? And even within America, right, in our right. healthcare system, I always say that OTs are like the yeah. hidden gems of healthcare, right? I worked I in uh, cardiac surgery, stepped down in the hospital years ago, and We've had OTs, you know, working with our patients post open heart surgeries or post uh, heart attacks and strokes and stuff like that. And actually, my cousin is an OT student in California. Um, hey. The world of OT, I feel like it's this, like I said, it's like this hidden gem. And there's people who have heard about it. And there's people who may not know what the profession entails and encapsulates. I wanted to ask you, as you know, not only as an OT, yeah. but also as a professor <laughs> as well, and going to the highest level of training in yeah. your PhD program, what is occupational therapy? What is the whole premise of this profession in this field? Oh, you're <laughs> I love it. my elevator speech. <laughs> Yes, we have been told to practice our elevator speeches. So I will say the way that I explain OT to patients and families is that you know a physical therapy is. Physical therapy is going to get you up. They're going to get you moving. They're going to get you walking. They're going to have you doing stairs, so on and so forth. Well, you can't walk into an elevator naked. And, and where are you going to go to the bathroom? Because PT is not going to teach you how to do that. And they're not going to teach you how to get dressed. And actually, my program, we just had an interprofessional event with the OT students and the PT students. And I had some PT students say to me, I have never seen that equipment before. They had never seen a reacher. They hadn't seen a socket or a shoehorn or any of that stuff. So PT is much more biomechanic. It's very much kinesiology based they have a wonderful way of explaining to mm -hmm. patients how the body works what muscles work to get in tandem you know antagonist and agonist and all those kinds of things mm -hmm. and i think that is fantastic and i love pts pt i have some of my best friends are pts and ot's i think are much more holistic in what we do like we're not just toileting for the sake of toileting we are toileting because you live by yourself and you used to do this by yourself and you're 35 years old and something sudden and random happened and it's a huge setback and we want to get you back to where you were. And you know what I say 30, it doesn't really matter. Like no matter what age you are, mm -hmm. we want to get you back to what you were doing and we want to get you to where you want yeah, to be and where beautiful. you want to be. I often wish I had perfect vision. There is so much intricacy in life and beauty in the world around me that I often miss because my view can get so blurry. Though I had glasses for years, I opted never to wear them because of the embarrassing indentations and marks they left behind in my face. Covery seeks to target this common struggle within the eyewear market. Covery is a 100% AAPI woman-owned inclusive eyewear brand designed for comfort, offering a wide range of sunwear and specs with prescription lens options. With their signature elevated fit that features longer nose pads, a reduced frame curvature, and a narrow nose bridge to elevate the frame, Covery is designed to better complement diverse facial features such as low nose bridges and high cheekbones for an effortless fit. Beyond this, the premium handcrafted frames are made from plant-based acetate and lenses with 100% UV protection. Find your perfect fit with their offers of a home and virtual try-on. 
With the code FRANZ, that's F-R-A-N-Z, you can get $20 off any frame you like on shopkovri.com. See the world's beauty more comfortably with Kovri. This offer is valid in one frame per order, cannot be combined with any other offers, and is limited to one use per customer. There are luxuries in life that see beyond material things. Practices like self-care and skincare can be an oasis in the whirlwinds and busyness of life. But what if there exists a harmony between material and immaterial luxuries? House of M Beauty is a saffron-infused luxury skincare line that harnesses the antioxidant, vitamin C-rich, anti-inflammatory, and antibacterial power of the highest quality medicinal-grade saffron. They are a clean treatment skincare line suitable for sensitive and postpartum skin. Their unique and cautiously crafted formulations maximize the potency of medicinal saffron to calm and soothe sensitive skin while brightening and targeting skin concerns. From their skin polish, to the miracle serum, to the glow jelly mask, and the silk night concentrate, experience the luxurious transformation saffron can bring to your skin with the code FRANZ20, that's F-R-A-N-Z-2-0, for 20% off your first order on HouseFMBeauty.com, also available at Nordstrom Nationwide. As a nurse, I am on my feet, alert for 12 hours or more each day. There is no space for drowsiness or lethargy in my job because my patient's well-being is at stake. Sometimes, you just need the extra energy boost from coffee. Robusta Coffee offers two times more caffeine and antioxidants with 60% less sugar. But did you know that thanks to its climate and fertile volcanic soil, Vietnam is the world's second largest coffee producer and the number one grower of Robusta. Nguyen Coffee Supply is America's first specialty, women-owned Vietnamese coffee company set to change the future of coffee through sustainability, diversity, and inclusion. The only roast coffee beans are hand-picked at peak ripeness from direct trade Vietnamese farms to produce sweet and flavorful coffee without any additives, flavorings, or oils. Get your own velvety coffee experience for 15% off your order with the code FRANZ15, that's F-R-A-N-Z-1-5, at NewInCoffeeSupply.com. When I started promoting our episode today, I think most of the questions that I received was, what is the difference between an OT and a PT, right? I feel like, I feel like in the hospital, especially yeah. in the hospital, I mean, my patient could be with an OT and <laughs> the report would be like, oh, they're with PT today. So I feel like... They say <laughs> right? all the time, it drives me like, nuts, yes. And I'm like, I think yeah, they're with PTs. the OT t- <laughs> today. Yeah, so... Well, thank you for standing up for us. Yeah, and I, I appreciate I guess, that. And, you know, this is why I've always <laughs> wanted to... I have an OTR. Thank you towards being you. Because I really do believe that uh, we need to show candidacy of both professions, which are so different and so intricate, right? I mean, I remember, I think when I started out as a new nurse, and I also was naive about the difference between PTs and OTs, I would talk to the OTs all the time. It's like, um, can you tell me, like, uh, when do I call you versus when I call the PT? And and I remember one of the OTs was like, you know, like, PT is great with the biomechanics, but you call me when it comes to, you know, a lot of the activities of daily living, right? Like, how is this person going to eat, you know, to use the utensils? You know, the very yes. minuscule and very finite things that actually just makes the whole quality of life of a person, right? Like the ability to, yeah. am I yeah. able to use my hands today to, you know, that I can actually put the spoon to my mouth or, you know, stuff like that. And I think that was just a beautiful explanation and your elevator just well, which I love. And, you know, <laughs> basically the premise of this is a lot of restoration, right? Like restoring what people may have lost, like any qualities in their movements or even mm-hmm. cognitive stuff as well right what do you think are the skills and qualities yep. and maybe personalities that one should have or exercise as an ot it's so funny that you say that i have had this long simmering <laughs> research topic in my head which is to give potential yeah. pt students mm-hmm. and ot students personality so tests right? like hey? enneagram exams and see where they score because I honestly For feel sure. like there are different personalities that do OT and PT. I really do. And PTs will say this as well. I'm not being biased. I have heard my PT friends say this that mm. OTs are the empaths. And, and yeah. it's almost <laughs> to our detriment in a lot of ways. It's like we mm-hmm. shoulder your burdens. We see the person in that bed. We don't just see a patient. We don't just see a body. We see a person mm-hmm. who had 
hopes and dreams and loves and likes and losses and so on and so forth. And we really want to get to the bottom of that and discover who you are and use that knowledge of you as a person to help you recover, right? And again, it's almost to a detriment because we feel things very deeply and we do take on a lot of people's troubles, which is who we are. And also it's to our detriment because <laughs> we will let you talk forever. You can tell us all your stories because we I will tell you stories. in the hospital, <laughs> I think I would make rounds with my patients and then one of them will be with the OT. When I come back to the rounds, they're still there. I'm like, you're not done. She's like, yeah, she mm -hmm. was telling me her whole life story. And I was like, this, I was like, yes! this is amazing. And you know what? It doesn't bother me though, because if you're like <laughs> in the bathroom, if you're yeah. in the shower, if you're doing something yeah. and you're talking to me, well, I don't care. Like to me, mm -hmm. making that connection with the person and them feeling like they can tell me their stories, it makes a better yeah. connection. It makes a better patient yeah. practitioner dynamic, yeah. I think. And then they're not going to yeah. turn me away. They might turn everybody else away. But when I yeah. show up, they're going to be like, that's yeah. the girl who let me talk yeah, to and two I think hours it's yesterday. very important <laughs> in the sense that, like you said, the person in the bed is not just their diagnosis or the numbers of this or that, but it's an actual person. It's someone's dad or mom or family member and the stories and their backgrounds give rise to the reason why it's so important for someone to learn how to be able to dress again, themselves again, right? Or to turn on the faucet or to be able to use their hands to eat again or, you know, just complete any... ADLs. It's just like such a beautiful and yeah. I can't imagine how endearing and I guess so rewarding it is too, right? To be able to care for patients in that very, yeah. very deep and intimate level, right? Yes, I, I agree. And you know what? That's part of the reason <laughs> that I really like acute care as the setting, because to me, it's the ability to get <laughs> to that person <laughs> right after <laughs> what <laughs> could have been <laughs> the worst day of their entire life. And if my presence in some way, shape, or form makes that day better, yeah. Yeah. that's awesome. That's yeah, for sure. Just like yeah, and I wanted to, to ask you, I know you work in acute care and you basically gave a mm -hmm. sneak peek of what you do as an acute care OT. I was very curious, are there like <laughs> different disciplines within OT itself where, or specialties where you can work in? If you could tell us some of those. Yes. Oh my God. There's so many. Oh, like there's so many. I don't even know I'm going to be able to remember all of that. So the big ones I would say are acute care. So you would have acute care, which is the hospital. Then you have inpatient acute rehab. So that's people who can tolerate the three plus mm -hmm. hours a day of OTPT speech. If they can't tolerate that, or for some reason they're not able to get into acute rehab because that's pretty competitive, then you have skilled nursing. So you don't do three hours a day. At one point, you might have done three hours a day because of insurance, but that's not really the case anymore. So you don't have to be able to tolerate that much therapy. After that, there's outpatient mm -hmm. therapy and there's home health. There is pediatrics, but pediatrics can be inpatient acute pediatrics. Mm -hmm. It can be inpatient rehab. And then, of course, you have... Outpatient peds. You mm -hmm. also have birth to three for pediatrics. And actually some states after kids age out of birth to three, but they're not at school full time. In New York, especially, there's this weird little gray area where you can do mm -hmm. four-year-olds and five-year-olds as home health visits, but insurance covers mm -hmm. it, but I'm not quite sure what it's covered under. And then you have schools and you also have mental health, but under mental health, you can have like hospital-based mental health. You can have outpatient mental mm -hmm. health, like community clinics, group homes, mm -hmm. OTs practice in things like eating disorders. They practice mm -hmm. in pelvic rehab. That's a new one because that used to be almost yeah. uh, <laughs> solely PTs, but now OTs are starting to do it. Yeah. I mean, there are things you can get your certificate in, like you can be a neurospecialist, you wow. can be an orthopedic person, you can be a hands, you can do yeah. wow. pelvic health, like I just said. Oh, there's so many. There really are. The one that I'm mm -hmm. gunning for, so I have enough hours that I could be, mm -hmm. I could be certified in phys rehab. I just have to go through the steps to do it, which I haven't done because I just have so many yeah. hours in the day. They're not filled ever. So, <laughs> yeah. But I feel like yeah. it would be good for my resume to have that on there. So I should do that. And then the other one that I really want to do that everybody says I'm insane for wanting to do, I want to be a certified wound practitioner. 
that is what I really want to do. But in mm-hmm. order to do that, I have to go back into clinical practice because I have hours, to have like yeah. thousand hours of hand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's nuts, but it, I well, so want to do it. I really, really do. Because I'm hoping yeah. that wherever I end up mm-hmm. teaching, I finished my PhD. Mm-hmm. I actually uh-huh. want to do a wounds class. And if I had yeah, that right. certificate, yeah. then I could be like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. those are a lot of places <laughs> that an OT can work. I think there was one time my cousin, who again is in OT school, and I think my uncle and auntie were talking about like, oh, where can you work? And he's like, you can work in so many places. And it's true, like different branches uh-huh. of medicine were like the hospital base, home health base, and rehab, and all of those, even the more, you know, niche parts, right? Like hands and pelvic. Well, I wanted yeah. to focus on your work as an acute mm-hmm. care OT, right? What would the day in the life look like, the bread and butter? Like if there's top three reasons why a patient in the hospital would need the help of an acute care OT, what would be those? So my day starts out, I walk into the hospital, I (laughs) clock in, get a big cup of coffee, and then I sit down and I start looking at my schedule and prioritizing Mm -hmm. who I'm going to see in a day. So you usually have like eight Mm -hmm. to 10 patients on your list. And I will rewind and say, you're going to have a ton of evaluations because people come in overnight and first thing in the morning and you got to see them right away. And then the other thing is that productivity, which rehab has, the expectations are much lower in the acute care setting because they know we've got dialysis, we've got x-ray, we've got respiratory, we've got medication, we've got everybody coming in and going surgery, being in the PACU, whatever. So the expectations are much lower, which is kind of nice, but you still need to you know, do your best to try and see everybody. So you go through your list, you prioritize who you're going to see. And then I do a chart review for everybody so that I have an idea of why everybody's there. I have a very shockingly good memory for that kind of stuff. Like a lot of people will only chart review one or two people at a time. I will literally go through the 10 people. And at the end of the day, I'd still be able to tell you why they were there and what they were there for. Like, Mm -hmm. it's crazy. I just have a memory for that kind of stuff. So I like to chart review and I actually all things considered, do a pretty deep chart review on everybody because I find, and I'm sure you would agree with me on this, that there's stuff in a patient chart. You think it's going to be on their admission, but it's not on their admission. Like, oh, this patient is here for a chest pain. Hmm, Okay. That's strange. And then you go like three pages in and it's like, patient was just here a week ago and had like, yeah, like had a patient Okay, yeah. well, that would have yeah. been good to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why was that not mm-hmm. on their initial intake? So, yeah. So, you got to dig deep in the chart and then you get up on the floor. You find the nurses and you just confer with the mm-hmm. nurses. Okay, how'd they do overnight? How are they doing this morning? Do they need any medication? Mm-hmm. Is it okay if we go in and see them? All that really basic stuff, but <laughs> you do need to check with nursing. I would never go in a patient room without checking with nursing. Yeah. I, you know what? Honestly, I've never tried it. I've never, ever had that instinct to just go in a patient room. Be, yeah, no, no, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm always going to protect myself. Yeah. And that's advice to everybody yes. out there. Yeah. Always check with your nurses. And so I check with the nurse, then I go in the patient room. If it's an evaluation, usually I'm in there for like probably 45 minutes to an hour. If it's a, just a general treatment, it's usually 30 minutes unless... On discharge day, I try. I just wrote about this on my D's for dressing post that on discharge day, if I have a patient who's going wherever they're going, it doesn't matter if they're going to the next level of rehab or if they're going home or what the deal is, I always do a full, as full an ADL day as possible as I can with them. I get them up. I'm there with Mm -hmm. them to instruct them in their bathing. We get them dressed, like full clothes, the whole nine yards. And nursing is fully on board with this. I think it's wonderful that they're so supportive of this. I just think it's really nice to be able to give patients that send off because when you're in the hospital, you don't get to bathe. You don't get to brush your teeth most days. You don't get to feel like yourself. And my heart gets so sad when I would see patients come into skilled nursing and they would still be in their hospital brief and a hospital gown and they would be carrying their belongings in a plastic bag. And they're scared because they don't know what the next stage holds. They don't know anybody where they're going, all of this. And so to me, it just feels like Mm -hmm. it's the one thing that I can do 
in my job to make them feel comfortable. So that's just my little discharge thing that I do for them. Otherwise, we get up, we move, we walk, we walk around the room, we work on ADLs, we work on functional Mm -hmm. tolerance, we work on balance, we work on all that stuff. And then I always try and make it every two patients Mm -hmm. I stop and I chart. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll completely forget what I did with them. So you have to do that. The problem is a lot of times I'll run into PTs who are like, hey, we have this evaluation together and I read that they're max assist times two and nursing hasn't gotten them out of bed because doctor hasn't wanted them to get on the bed, so on and so forth. So then it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to have to put a pin in my documentation because I'm not getting yeah. max assist of two person nope. out of bed by myself. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I think it's just so beautiful, like what you do, right? Even upon discharge, like letting them adjust themselves or change themselves. Right? I think it also confers this sense of self-confidence, right? This sense of independence that, oh, you know, I can finally do it, right? I feel like, especially in the hospital, right? People are, patients are stripped of their usual daily activities, right? Or let's say someone had a heart attack or a stroke yeah. or post-surgery there's that lag phase where they can't do things on their own right and the ability of the ot is to be able to like slowly piece all of those together again and confer again that sense of independence that patients feel good about themselves all right they don't feel sorry for themselves that they can't do the things yeah. that they used to be able to do right i think it's such a beautiful yes. beautiful thing right and along with that i wanted to ask because you know a lot of the work you do is again like trying to train all of those back together it's a lot of physical work right and it's a lot of <laughs> mental work as well you know like i think bypassing that mental <laughs> block or mental fear of oh i don't know like for the patients are like i don't know if i can do this right i wanted to know what's your thoughts as an yeah. ot is there a demarcation line between what you can do for the patient versus what medications and maybe surgery could do to help them regain the things again? Yeah, that's a very good question. I am mm-hmm. actually, I love medicine. <laughs> I love pills. I love infusions. Mm-hmm. I love injections. I love surgery. I love all of that. You will never, ever find me being like, no, 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 no. The doctor said you should do that. You should hold off. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not a doctor. I mean, eventually, yes. but that's a PhD doctor, not an MD doctor. That's different. <laughs> I would never try to supersede what a doctor says, especially a specialist. If your orthopedic surgeon tells you something, my treatment plan is going to be in line with what the doctor is doing, if that makes sense. Yes, of course, we collaborate with the doctors. I think that's much more common lately than it was in the very beginning. No, we, we're very collaborative with all the doctors, and I love that about our job. That said, the collaboration is they had X surgery. They were diagnosed with this. They're on this medicine. This is their medical course of care. How does OT incorporate into that? I don't think, from where I'm sitting as an acute care OT, I would never tell a patient in the hospital not to listen to their doctor. I might say something like, if they were like, oh, my PCP said this, or the hospitalist said this, I might say, hey, you know what? If they're recommending something about a very specific part of your body, it might be in your best interest to seek out a specialist. Right? Like if they were newly diagnosed with diabetes and they're like, oh yeah, I'm just going to, you know, check in with my primary care later. I'd say, hey, you know, I think yeah. an, an endocrinologist yeah. might not yeah. be a bad idea or something like that. You know, I think that to me is where I can best assist as far as making a medical suggestion is, or I might just reinforce what the nurses said or what the doctor said. Being in scrubs the whole shift and for days at work can sometimes strip you of your sense of fashion and self-expression. But instilling a bit of design and color does not hurt to let your personality shine through your uniform. V Coterie is a leading provider of healthcare jewelry and accessories for playful everyday wear, from pins to battery charms and medical specialty-specific necklaces. With their creative process paralleling the founder's background in dentistry, 
Bicotery was founded to spark the genius within you, redefining the traditional boundaries for jewelry and accessories. They believe fashion can celebrate curiosity and the pursuit of knowledge while allowing you to express your truest self. From the curious student to a confident clinician or even a kidney transplant survivor, Bicotery is here to celebrate you no matter where the journey takes you. Get 15% off your first order with the code VFRIENDSOFRANCE on vcotery.com. Find your daily dose of style and make your passion your fashion. As someone with acne-prone skin, I always fear using new moisturizers that may be too heavy on my skin and clog my pores. This is why I love my Aloe Quench by Skin by Anthos, a facial moisturizer made for all skin types, especially for sensitive skin like mine. Made with an oil-free formula using aloe, glycerin, and green tea, it is suitable for acne-prone, oily, or combination skin. Its soothing and paraben-free formula makes it even great for sunburns and patients taking Accutane. Skin by Anthos is the byproduct of the minds and expertise of board-certified dermatology professionals and proud AAPI mothers who saw the need for access to pharmaceutical strength and professional-grade skincare for those with sensitive skin and or skin of color from the safety and convenience of home. Experience a regimen tailored to your skin type that is strong enough to deliver medical-grade results for 20% off with the code FRANCEPODCAST when you order on skinbyanthos.com. The sense of taste is so intriguing. A cascade of good memories can wash over you as you experience the flavor you have met before. Founded by Hannah Bay, Halmi, a loving nickname for grandma in Korean, it's a brand of light sparkling beverages that evokes feelings of nostalgia for Koreans and Asians in general, but also curiosity if you are not familiar with certain ingredients and the story behind the flavors. Inspired by traditional Korean flavors through family recipes and made with real fruits and spices, Hami's debut flavor, Cinnamon Ginger Jujube Persimmon, is a sparkling take on Korea's beloved Sujungwa, a sweet and spice punch that has been brewed for generations to aid digestion and is shared during Korea's most festive moments. It's their version of a healthier, lighter ginger ale. With the code FRANZ, that's F-R-A-N-Z, you can get 15% off your first order on drinkhalmi.com. Partake in honoring roots, strengthening ancestral connections, and celebrating hyphenated identities with unique, refreshing, and better-for-you ingredients. Interdisciplinary team, right? Like, it's just an interconnection of everyone's expertise, right? Because obviously, OTs are experts of this that physicians may not be or that nurses are not, right? And I think yes. every member of the healthcare community, especially the healthcare team for the patient, are also like advocates of the patients as well. And for sure, especially in your negative experience, you probably had times where like, mm, I don't think that's, mm, you know, in line with what I would do for the patient, right? And be like, yeah. hey, can, we, can we try this? Or can I suggest this? And stuff yeah. like that, right? And I think, like you said, it's one of yeah. the most beautiful things about the OT profession, the teamwork, right? Like everyone just blends together their expertise and all of that. And I wanted to ask, what are the other best parts of the OT profession for you? What do you love most about the OT field? This is going to sound so lame, but I love working mm-hmm. with people. <laughs> I love, love, love working with people. Um, I didn't know that about myself for a very long time. When I was younger, I was very shy. I was very introverted and actually did not really become much of an extrovert until last couple of years of college. And then all of a sudden it was like I hit my stride, something clicked and I was just like, people are amazing. This is so much fun. And I really feel like these days I have the kind of personality where I will just go out and make friends. And so for me, when I go to work in the hospital, like, so for my last job in acute Mm. care, I was a float pool employee. I had pretty much full-time hours, but I went to four different campuses within the same hospital facility. But every single hospital that I went to, I was like, hey, I get to see so-and-so today. Hey, oh my God. When I would be like, I'm coming to your campus today. Let me know if we have anybody in common. Oh, don't forget, we'll have lunch today. Things like that. And it's awesome. And it's not just the coworkers. It's not just my rehab therapist. It's the patients. Because if I... You don't like people. What are you doing working in healthcare? My God, yeah. I can't figure that one out. Mm-hmm. I I can understand getting burned out of it, but I I am not 
burned out on it yet. I And now that I get to teach, it's the same thing that I get to go. And not mm-hmm. just my fellow professors, because they're awesome as well, but the students, I get to go and I get to sit and teach, not just teach in front of students, but that I get to interact with the students you know, after class hours around campus, things like that. And uh, some of them are <laughs> on here right quote, now. Yeah. So that's kind of Yes. And, and that just makes me happy that I get to be with people who know what I do, who like what I do, who value mm-hmm. me and value my skill set. I just think that's wonderful. And also, I told you, I love medicine. And so being able to be around it, even though I'm not an MD or a DO or an RN or an NP or any of that, I, well, I'm an OT, right? So that's still medical and being able to have this knowledge and feeling confident with the knowledge and feeling confident enough to be like, this is this and that is that, and this is how we do yeah. this. And this is what we would do. And so I'm sorry for that. It feels good yeah, to know again, what you're talking about. Yeah. And that just comes again. Like I said, the difference nice. that you make in people's <laughs> lives, like even to the most intricate yeah. and to the most complex, the things that I feel like healthcare is all about the numbers and the grandiose, right? Like, oh, injections this, oh, surgery that, oh, procedure this. But things that the patients remember the most are those intimate moments of when I go back home, will I be able to open the doorknob on my house? Will I be able to brush my teeth? again when i get home i'd be able to do this and not feel like i'm a burden to my family right and i think those are the things that you know your profession of occupational therapy really fulfills and really makes possible for the patients and i really do believe it's such a beautiful beautiful thing right and i think with that i wanted to know if there is a pre OT student or an OT student listening to us today or as someone who's been in the profession like, for the decade and continuing on in the field and has so much love and passion for the profession, what would be your message to those students today? Two parts to that. The first is when you were talking about what patients remember, what they take away from their experience in the hospital or the medical setting, whatever. There's an expression that I've seen, and I'm going to fumble it, I know, but um, it's something like medicine adds years to your life, but therapy mm. adds life to your years. And so I really feel like that's just, that's just an excellent representation. Like that's an excellent summation of what it is that we do. So that's number one to the potential OTs out there. That's what I would say. Think about all the amazing impacts that we, we have the ability to have on people and really, you know, reflecting on that. And then also that post COVID Mm -hmm. in medicine, there's been a lot of burnout and I fully, fully recognize that. And it's still there. It's still there. It's unfortunate. And it cuts across all medical fields, really. It cuts across nursing and doctors and therapy and everybody. It just does. That said, don't mm-hmm. only look at the bad, right? Like it's like a Yelp review. This is this is what I think. That people only tell you when they have a terrible yeah. experience. <laughs> they don't mm-hmm. tell you when mm-hmm. things were good because if everything was good, they just don't think about it. They're just like, okay. yeah, it was just mm-hmm. another day because nothing bad happened. It's when bad things start to happen that people chime in and they get mad and they say frustrating, sad things. And and that makes me sad. And I worry that people are going to hear that. Potential OTs are going to hear that and they're going to be like, well, why would I do that? That sounds terrible. Yeah. Because I'm here to tell you, it's not all like that. It really isn't. I would say the good days far outnumber the bad days. They really do. And it's not just my outlook on it because I love it and I'm not leaving and I want to continue Mm -hmm. to do this for the rest of my life, really. I just think that you need to make sure that you look for the good in it. Don't just listen to the complainers out there, even though I'm sure they have a reason and I'm not doubting that they don't. Everybody has a reason to complain. I am just saying that's Mm -hmm. one day in a life, right? That's one day in a career. Yeah, that also entails to the fact that like we said, right, a lot of burnout and that's happening in the field, especially with this whole COVID thing, right? And there are certainly bad days during work and especially dealing with people, right? It's not all glory and sunshine, right? There's things that 
we want to make possible for our patients, but may not be true all the time, right? And I think a big part of that is grounding yourself mm-hmm. and having forms of self-care and decompression out of work, right? And like replenishing yourself. Yes. Yeah, I wanted yes. to ask how yes. you decompress out of yes. work and you maintain this excitement being an OT. So my ways of decompressing are, um, number one, I've always been very fortunate to be surrounded by amazing coworkers. There has not been a single place that I've worked that I have not had a core group of amazing coworker friends that at lunchtime, I would say the, my very first job, I worked in long-term acute care in New York City. And uh, yes, and at lunchtime, the therapy gym would be locked. They would lock lock the doors. No patients could come in. No doctors could come in. No nurses can come in. It was just the therapy staff. And we sat together at lunch every day. And we would just decompress. It was amazing. We had this whole routine where like one person would bring in ice cream for the week. And so we would each have like our little Dixie cup of ice cream and we would just sit there and we would talk and we, and it was amazing. And I didn't have that at every other hospital, but Every hospital I worked at, I had a group of people that I knew were on the same page as me. That as much as we would be like, oh my God, can you believe such and such happened? We all loved our jobs. It was just our way of letting off steam. So outside (laughs) of that, which I highly recommend, I am really into Orange Theory. That is my exercise. I'm a huge exerciser. I love it. I've loved it my entire life. It's just the endorphins, the serotonin what have you. It's just so awesome. And then the other Mm. thing, I just like to be outside, which is funny to say, because I'm not a hiker. I'm not a biker. I'm not any of those things. I like a city Mm. girl who likes to be outside in the city. When we lived in New York, I could go a week without getting on any kind of transportation, unless it was like absolutely necessary. Like if there's time constraint, I just like walking up and down the street. I like seeing people yeah. i like putting my earbuds in and i just like being outside breathing fresh air yeah honestly it can be so therapeutic walking the streets of new york right and seeing all the buildings and just oh, like oh and you know new yorkers they, they couldn't give a crap about anyone else walking with them so. <laughs> well and that's the thing that's nice that you yeah, don't yeah. have to pay somebody said christian's not a hiker <laughs> can confirm that is so true i am not a hiker but i I can walk New York City blocks like it's nothing. <laughs> oh my god! Once I walked, we mm-hmm. are so our apartment was on 82nd. I once walked from Battery Park all the way up to our apartment. Yeah, just I, I love walking. And you think twice about streets it. And streets and right? streets, right? It's it's just yeah, and all those mm-hmm. endorphins too. Like you said, just walking and just seeing stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that you know you have a lot of forms of decompression as well, which is very necessary, especially with our work dealing with people, right? Oh, and don't get me wrong. I also, I would say the older I get, the more um, high maintenance I become. So there are, you know, hair appointments and massages and, you know, getting my, I have a facial tomorrow. (laughs) Well deserved. Oh, yes. I love it. And it's so necessary. Oh, my gosh. Yes, the hospital air is, and the hospital lights are really brutal. Yeah. And especially, yeah. like you know, the whole <laughs> the whole past few years when we're masking and just breaking out and just oh. you know, everything. See, and I didn't get masked. Me, my issue was the goggles would press against my eyes so hard oh that I would God. get lines right here. Yeah, we all had our oh, own forms of reactions <laughs> to our PPE, right? Yeah. Oh my yes. gosh, Emily. Oh. I learned so much today about not only the field of OT, but just, again, just reinforcing the beauty again in this hidden gem in healthcare. And I mean, I couldn't think of, you know, any other paradigm of the world of occupational therapy, but you and your passion and your love for the field really emanates through the screen, even though we're like thousands of miles away. I'm so grateful that you joined me tonight for our conversation. Oh, it was my pleasure. Of course, Thank and of course, so happy OT month to you and to everybody. Emily, thank you so much. I hope you have a great <laughs> rest of the night. Thank Bye. Good night. Good night, everyone. Bye.